Do you think we would have been friends in, in junior high? I don't know. I, I mean, we have no. very, very. Our producer's like, no, no, uh, you would not. Because I feel like I was steaming. I wasn't as anyway. Okay, so I know. <laughs> let, let, we can talk about that another time. <laughs> that's a that's a long conversation for sometime else. Uh, Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gorehounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college, which meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror section of our local video store in our quest to survive and to ensure we end up as the, the final, final girl. girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking them down one by one, geeking out about all of the ghastly minutiae, and ultimately illuminating the path to survival. Howdy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. We are the third... Po- <laughs> Take two. Okay, sorry. Hello. Hey, everyone. Welcome. To- oh, no, our <laughs> producer is choking. Wow, we're going to watch her die. What do we do? <laughs> Survival Guide Instincts. How can we save her? Um, I don't... We're laughing mostly. That's not good. Um, oh, geez. Okay. She, she's taking care of herself. We're just sitting here. This uh, is the best intro of all time. This is like War of the Worlds, but... Uh, <laughs> I am still laughing and not helping, so... <laughs> you need a Heimlich over there? You doing okay? She's got water. Welcome okay. to Horror Movie Survival Guide. Hey, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> we're the first podcast from the Indie Popcorn recording at the circus. Uh, this is episode 19, in which we are going to be discussing 1985's Silver Bullet, uh, which the tagline for this film, part human, part wolf, total terror. Ba, ba, ba. I think that's a great tagline. That is a tagline. It's kind a of tagline. a better tagline than a film, to be honest. Ayo, well, but we'll get into that. Hey, <laughs> I don't want to talk down on it. We wouldn't be reviewing if it wasn't worth watching. Yeah. No, it is. This movie has some interesting things going for it. Uh, so this, is, uh, this film was directed by Daniel Ateas. This was his first and only feature. Oh, really? Yeah, that's it. Sorry, Daniel. Sorry, Daniel. Yeah. Apparently, this went badly for you. Yeah, but you made a werewolf movie. You made a cool werewolf movie. I mean, you know, if you just made a movie about a bicycle or something, perhaps you'd be kind of more sad about it, but you know. Uh, So Don Coscarelli, which was originally going to direct this one. Oh, okay. Um, Not George Romero? (laughs) Not George Romero. Where where were you for this one, George? Come on. Come on. Did you turn this one down as well? Your hat could have been in the ring. Uh, But apparently uh, Don Coscarelli had creative differences with Daniel De Laurentiis, who was the producer. Oh, okay. Got it. I love that term. Creative differences. differences. Like the biggest We like, hated fight. each other I so much. Threw so many chairs. <laughs> like so many chairs. Um, and the creatures in this film were created by Carlo Rambaldi. Okay. Interesting. So uh, it takes place in Maine, of course. Hello. Uh, Tarker's Mill, Maine. In, and it take, this is filmed in 1985, takes place in spring of 1976. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it stars uh, Corey Haim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then... I had a little nerdy moment because Corey Haim's sister in this movie is Megan Follows. Who, Megan? Megan. It's really Megan? I've heard she pronounces it Megan, yeah. Those crazy Canadians. Yeah. Um, who is otherwise known as Anne Shirley from Anne of Green Gables, which I love. So when Julia's reading like Stephen King on the bus, I'm like, ooh, Anne of Green Gables. And so when I saw her in this movie, I was pretty excited. Do you think we would have been friends in, in junior high? I don't know. I, I mean. We have no. very, very. Our producer's like, no. No, uh, you would not. Because I feel like I was steaming. I wasn't as... Anyway. Okay, so... I know. <laughs> let, let, we can talk about that another time. That's a, that's a long conversation for some time else. Uh, one of the opening shots in this film, which delighted me to no end, is the close-up of 
a cockroach being run over by a bicycle. And then you pan up to the kid on the bike who goes, yeah. I mean, just ridiculous. I don't know what that was about, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I sort of think of like, how does that factor into the movie later? I don't know. Thematically or He's a mischievous kid. Uh, So Marty is Corey Haim's character. Another character that ends with Y. Yes. The thread continues. Yes. And uh, he is in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. But luckily has Gary Busey as an uncle who can build him sweet, sweet motorized wheelchairs. Yeah, like rocket wheelchairs. So he he starts out with a little lower model wheelchair, mm-hmm. uh, but the wheelchair is, is called Silver Bullet. Mm-hmm. And so he is his sister who's a bit older who it just thinks Marty's paying the ass because she's always got to take care of him because right. he's in a wheelchair. Um, if Marty and... Jan is this Jane. Sister? Jane. Okay. Uh, Marty and Jane uh, live in Tarker's Mills, and there's sort of like all these kind of cast of characters of local. You have uh, the town priest uh, who is played by Everett McGill from Twin Peaks, Big Ed. Big Ed. Big Ed's pretty exciting. Um, and then the town sheriff uh, is played by Terry O'Quinn, mm-hmm. uh, Locke from Lost. That's all I think about. Um, and you have kind of this like cast of sort of, you know, sort of quintessential town characters, people well, doing town things. It, it wouldn't be Stephen King if it wasn't set in small town Maine. Right, exactly. So it, it makes me, it, nothing makes me want to visit Maine more than more than Stephen King. He's right. done his job. Yeah. I just want to go to every small town and go, what horror is lurking beneath the surface here? Empires, werewolves, like outbreak, nobody knows. Like, nobody knows. We'll find out. Um, but in this particular town, um, the, what is it, like the local railroad repairman slash town drunk um is torn apart uh early on in this movie uh-huh. from sort of an unseen thing um and then later again you know how we're talking about with salem's lot how people you know stephen king or whoever can kind of come up with their their own sort of how mechanisms of how these creatures work what i enjoy about this movie is the second kill of this movie is sort of like a lady who's uh having some difficulty with uh, a guy who has gotten her pregnant but won't help take care of the baby uh-huh. and all this kind of stuff. And they have kind of this werewolf cam shot where like where a werewolf, she's up in like the second story of her bedroom and the werewolf climbs the trellis and it's like werewolf climbing trellis POV and then crawls into her bedroom and obliterates her in the bedroom. And well, her like little old mom is downstairs yeah. and has to come up and find her. And- Who brings a gun? Yeah. Do you remember that? She like brings a gun and then finds her daughter like torn pieces. So basically like all these murders are happening in this town and like the sheriff is trying to figure out what's going on and the town's getting real rowdy. So um, uh, Corey Haim's best friend. So in the beginning, uh, he, uh, Corey Haim, Marty and his best friend Brady play a prank on his sister yeah. and make her fall in the mud, which she's very unhappy about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're out and Brady, this is a very pet cemetery. Brady's out playing with a kite. Mm-hmm. And even though the town's been like curfew, don't stay out after dark. He's like, eh, I want to play with my kite some more. And, uh, and even then, though there's been bunches of murders, but it's fine. But this kite, uh, which is then going to be a bloody mess, mm-hmm. just like Gage's kite. Yeah. We got that bloody kite does connection. Does Stephen King hate kites? Like, or does he think kites are know. bad or creepy? Or Maybe he just thinks bloody kites are a great image. It's a pretty good image. But yeah. Brady's dad yeah. is awesome. And he comes and finds his son who has been torn apart by a werewolf and yeah. just like screams at his son and yeah. then comes into the bar, which is called Owen's Bar, by the way. Stephen King's son, name is Owen. Oh, interesting. Uh, come into the bar where uh, the town is riling up for some private justice yeah private justice they use that phrase quite a bit but basically like they're turning into a mob and like the town priest comes in like no but you can't but also no and the sheriff tries to stop them and then his dad has the dad has like this epic monologue about like you go tell my son sitting in the grave oh 
And the great the cemetery is what was it? Harmony uh, Hill. Harmony Hill. Which you is go where Jeffrey, tell, Jeffrey Lewis's character works in Salem's Lot. Correct. You go over to Harmony Hill and tell my boy about justice. Blah blah blah. Um, and so everyone kind of gets their guns and pitchforks and all this kind of stuff and heads out to the woods to go find themselves a killer. And at this point, it's definitely that sort of trope of people don't know or think it's a werewolf. Obviously, early on, they think it's a maniac. So they're out hunting a maniac. But it couldn't um, be one of theirs. Definitely not. Some foreign maniac. Um, so they got to go. Drifters. Some always drifters. Hanging on the drifters. Always, always blaming on the drifters. Um, but then they go in sort of like the pea soup thick fog. Um, and uh, a couple of them do like get the snatch from underneath the fog mm-hmm. sequence. Um, and that's when it suddenly starts occurring to the town. But like, nope, it's not just it's not just a maniac. Something else is going on. And then you cut to sort of poor, cute little Corey Haim, who's like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my wheelchair over to this bridge in the woods in the middle of the night and light off some fireworks. So uh, so Gary Busey is, plays their uncle, Uncle Red. Crazy uncle. Who comes in, who breezes into town from time to time. And he's divorcing his third wife. And is a is is known as a drunk. Mm-hmm. And there's a great scene between their parent, their mom, and Uncle Red talking mm-hmm. about his his drinking. Right. But Uncle Red makes Corey Haim the fastest fucking wheelchair yeah. of all time. Like that thing goes. Yeah. Um, so Marty goes out to light some fireworks off and has werewolf firework encounter. Yeah, and that's the first time where we sort of see the werewolf properly for the first time, where like the werewolf is coming across the bridge to get this kid in a wheelchair. Um, and he shoots his fireworks at him. Shoots him in the eye. And it gets it in the eye, like right, like it's stuck in shot. the eye. It's a good shot. It's a good shot. And then like wheelchairs away. Um, and his like super, which goes like 50 miles an hour. This yeah. thing's ridiculous. It's a silver bullet. It's, it's gotta a, go fast. It's a silver bullet. Um, but then he realizes, Marty's like, oh, okay, well, it's a werewolf. That's happening. This is the deal. Um, but knows that he maimed the creature in the eye. And so when it goes back to human form, the eye will be damaged on the humane. So tells his sister, sister's totally in on it. I'm like, okay, yeah, this sounds good. Um, and he enlists her to go uh, sort of looking around to see the various people and see whose eye is damaged. Um, so she has this cover of going around to collect bottles and cans from the town, but is actually going to see whose eye is messed up from being hit in the eye with firework. And who could it be? Who could it be? In a bit of terrific Twin Peaks irony, in mm-hmm. which Big Ed comes out with an eye patch on. It's the Reverend. And we're like, oh, Twin Peaks, but he's, but Big Ed's wearing the eye patch and all. Uh, blah. And he gets a fantastic dream sequence in this film where there's this like. This thing is ridiculous. It's amazing. It's ridiculous. like the entire congregation of his church turns into werewolves. We even get a werewolf playing the organ. Like they're just going bananas. It's really fantastic. It's so crazy. It's interesting too because um, they don't really reveal that it's Big Ed till maybe like halfway through. I should stop calling him Big Ed. <laughs> Reverend Lowe? How about that? <laughs> Reverend Lowe. Sorry, Everett McGill. Um, we don't realize that it's Reverend Lowe till about halfway through the film and these nightmares you saw before the revelation. So it's this idea. We were always sort of like, does he know? Does he not know? Does he feel guilty about it? Like what's the deal? Mm-hmm. But I feel like as soon as he's wounded – and it's kind of like all bets are off from there on in. Once the audience is clued in on it, he sort of plays it just like, yes, I'm a werewolf and I know I'm a werewolf and don't ruin my gig, you know. But he does have a sermon early on where he says the face of the beast always becomes known and the time of the beast always passes. So he knows he does. that he's going to die. But what's also where this movie takes an interesting turn is when what <laughs> what Corey Haim and Megan Follows decide to do after they realize that it's the priest is they're like, oh. I know what we should do. We should write him a letter that t- that tell him to kill himself. Yeah, they get, they do like a ransom note style thing where they like t- like glue like newspaper letters. The note says, "I don't know who you are. I don't know what you are. Why don't you kill yourself?" 
And you're like, that's an intense note to send somebody. For sure. And so like they send it and they wait and nothing happens. So then they decide to enlist Gary Busey and like bring him into the whole thing. And he has, he, you know, he hears the whole story. And first of all, starts with the whole like werewolves aren't real. You kids are crazy. But then also when they tell him how they wrote, these children wrote a note to an adult saying, please kill yourself. He says my favorite quote in this movie, which is, um, I understand that my niece and nephew are sending little love notes to the local minister suggesting that he gargle with broken glass or eat a rat poison omelet. Um, and it's delivered in that sweaty, yeah. crazy Gary Busey style. That only he can do. I really like him in this movie. Like sometimes I feel like he's too insane uh-huh. and I feel like he's just the right level of insane in this movie. He does give this movie a lot of energy too. He does. Like you definitely have the feeling and I think this is also true where he's sort of improvising a lot and just kind of everything's a 12 and I also feel like if you're too... He's little, always a 12. He's always a 12 but I feel like because he, the character is designed to be a 12 it helps push the story along yeah. in a way that's helpful and I feel like because these kids understand that no one's going to believe you crazy Gary Busey uncle is the probably the closest that you can come to like you know probably being believed and there's a great scene where they give him their necklaces their crucifix they have silver crucifix necklaces they wear and he takes it to the local gunsmith to make it into silver bullets and the local gunsmith totally knows what's up he's like oh yeah shoot a werewolf with these Mm -hmm. there you go there you go silver bullets as you were uh, <laughs> and they decide that's the plan so then they um decide to make this plan where the parents are going to leave so they have the house to themselves and Rev- reverend low right. now knows that they know um and he's probably going to come and it was interesting we were t- sort of talking too about how like what's the backstory with that how did reverend low become a, a werewolf they never get into Is any he, of it like yeah. they don't really ever talk about what the werewolf rules are because he can like use a bat and he can like do these very oh that's human right he steals that guy's oh yeah when he so he finally kills uh terry o'quinn who plays the sheriff he kills him not like i'm gonna tear you apart werewolf style he takes his bat from him and beats him to death mm-hmm. in werewolf form yeah with the bat which is unusual you don't get a lot of like tool using werewolves but like werewolves i feel like their origin stories are always a little bit murky it's Mm -hmm. always like were you bitten by one and he does this is like a at will kind of thing this isn't like you have to wait for the full moon yeah well they said but they do say like as the moon gets fuller he gets wolfier right so but he can just kind of do it at will and but he's very human in his werewolfiness Uh and here's a question i have for you about this film Uh so let's say that this doesn't happen in the film but let's just say that Corey Corey haim gets bitten as marty in this as this character if you're in a if you're in a wheelchair as a human are you able to walk as a werewolf or are you still in a wheelchair I don't know. I could kind of see you being able to walk. So then you'd be like, oh, maybe I want to be a werewolf because then I can walk. Yeah. But then like wherever you would end up, you have to then get yourself back unless your werewolf self is like, bring myself back to my wheelchair. You know, like wake up in the middle of nowhere and you're naked and you can't walk. And you can't walk. I mean, it would probably, the buzzkill on that, it's pretty high. So Uh I think that might ruin it. But no, because they always have, you know, especially like an American werewolf in London where they always have this sort of extending, limbs extending, muscles growing, da, da, da. So like you are kind of hulking out. Yeah. And you can, and you can regenerate because unless you're shot with a silver bullet, pretty much anything else that's done to you, you're fine. Right. They can cut your arms off firework in the eye anything yeah Mm -hmm. and you're like oh good i'll just grow that back and i'm good to go yeah yeah i guess so i also i'm always a little bit confused on how much people know slash remember like if they're because i feel a lot of characters have to be told that they're a werewolf rather than they know like this guy remembers i agree but i think in the early part of the movie they do a really good job of making it seem like maybe he doesn't maybe he's just tortured maybe he's just but after the thing in the eye no he knows so the question is is he has he just recently become a werewolf is that why he was like reverend so. and now I'm like reverend werewolf? I think or so. was it like he's always been a werewolf and now he's it became a reverend? 
That's Act where I don't know, because that's where it makes me feel like he was bitten recently, because it seemed like he'd been there for a while, yeah. and then the murders just started. So then we never get the backstory of who bit him. Correct. Okay. Yep. We just go it. into this. Um, and also, movie doesn't care no, at all. Movie doesn't care. One iota. Um, so basically, yeah, it's, it's just like the confrontation in the house where they all settle in the house. They've got a gun that has one silver bullet in it. I think it? they have two. Or two? Okay. Um, so it's, you really got to work out for you. Um, two? Maybe? I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then of course he shows up and like cuts the power uh-huh. and like all the lights and the telephones don't work and then he like smashes through a wall and it's like Gary Busey werewolf super fight. Yeah, he um he flies through the air a tremendous amount in this. Yeah, which he really did. Which he really did. Yeah. So apparently they had like kind of in like an air trampoline kind of thing to like launch him and he would just like run and, and then just jump, jump and like fly into shelves. Yeah. And fly into shelves, but kind of like Bruce Campbell, Evil Dead style uh-huh. where just like the full body is just like smash glass thing. And it happens a few times. Like there's these slow motion shots of just Gary Busey in the air into furniture and you're like, wow. It makes me respect Gary Busey a little bit more. I mean, it's where he was like, I'll be in your werewolf movie and you want to launch me into some shelves? I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, so yeah, but inevitably, so, and so they do only have one silver bullet because it falls down the grate. Oh, that's right. And mm-hmm. like Corey Haim's hand is just small enough to like reach down in the grate to get it. Correct. Um, yeah. And then they shoot that motherfucker. They do, yeah. And then so it ends up sort of being final family, basically. Yeah. yeah. Except the parents aren't in on any of it. Nope, not a it's bit. It's like final nieces, nephew, and uncle. <laughs> yeah, final niece, nephew, and uncle. And the uncle was kind of crazy to begin with. So I right. imagine now. They're going to be like, wow, he's really crazy. But I think this is another good lesson to... That would drive to, you to drink. Uh, yeah. But I think this is another good lesson to extract from horror movies, which is that, you know, you can enlist crazy on your side. Just because they're crazy doesn't mean that, like, they're not helpful or, you know, you could, like, dismiss what they say or whatever. It's kind of like we were talking about Crazy Ralph. Like, you should listen to Crazy Ralph. Everyone should. Always listen to Crazy Ralph. But if you have a crazy uncle who also has, like, you know, engineering capabilities, like, just enlist that guy. Tell that guy what's going on and, like, have that guy help you because... Because if it wasn't for him, those kids would be toast. Well, I think the reason that he's able to help them is because he's never really grown up. Because he's like oh, okay. shirking his responsibilities and mm-hmm. like drinking it all away and like doesn't right. want to be a grown up. And so he's not like full like, I'm yeah. not going to believe you because you're a stupid kid. Like he's yeah. like, okay, well, yeah, I'm kind of on that same wavelength. But I guess in that way, maybe the character sort of personifies that other aspect that we talk about survival, which is like you have to kind of believe in the deal early on. Like yeah. the people who deny whatever the deal is, they're like, no, vampires aren't real. Werewolves aren't a thing. Da, 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 and they stick with that for a really long time. Right. Toast. No. And that's what, and that's how you survive this movie is you you basically just go, okay, it's a werewolf and this is how we move to these next steps. Mm-hmm. So uh, in real life, if someone comes up and is like a werewolf or a vampire, you got to like believe that shiz and yeah. then go right through it. Correct. And then be like, what's the, how stick through the heart, silver bullet, like let's do this stuff. Um, I love this movie because I love Corey Haim to no end. Um, and I think he's really, really great in this film. And, um, I know that he gets, he gets kind of laughable later on. You get this kind of like lost boys, crazy eighties wardrobe, dream, a little dream smugness. Because he's new then he could, because yeah. So Mary and I have this theory about, you know, you have these, these young male actors who like when they start out, they're really sincere and they're really going for it. And then at some point they start to believe their own hype and like everyone's telling them they're great. And so they're like, Oh, I'm great. And then they kind of have this self-awareness that you Mm -hmm. can see on camera. Um, so I would say, you know, you have like Lucas where Corey Haim doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And then you have lost boys where Corey Haim totally knows. knows. And you can like watch him, how his acting style in both of those films. And it's completely different. Totally. And I always, and I know that a lot of that probably had to do with, his child abuse issues as far as like the Hollywood managers go. And also Mm -hmm. this got him into drugs and the whole bit. But I like, 
if you look at Corey Feldman or Corey Haim, like before they knew and think about what their career would have been if they had never known, mm-hmm. like if they just would have, they would have grown up to be like really solid actors. And yeah. like my heart aches a little bit yeah. for the Corey Haim career that never was. Yeah. Well, I can't blame you because I mean, Silver Bullet, you could see on the outside, it's sort of like a, this goofy werewolf, whatever, you know, kind of movie. Um, but he's really goes for it. He's mm-hmm. really in it. And yeah. And I, I was surprised watching him like, oh yeah, this is. That other Corey Haim, mm-hmm. you know, that is... There's you know, like a split at like 1986 where he's like, okay, he's on this other career path now and yeah. this is who he became. Yeah. Um, Whatever happened to your Anne of Green Gables chick? Um, well, yeah, she did a bunch... She's she's works today. She's on this new show, Rain, this like CW show. Okay. Um, but she does... Has like done stuff forever. So she did... Anne of Green Gables, I think right after this. Mm-hmm. And then there was Anne of Avonlea. And then there was like a third Anne continuing soccer. So she did like all of that forever. Um, and has had like this super career um, all over Canada. Um, yeah. So this movie, well. this movie uh, is, is Canadian. And oh, yeah. Super Canadian. That's why. Uh, so Corey Haim and Megan. Mm-hmm. I feel weird saying Megan. Uh-huh. <laughs> Megan Fellows is, are Canadian. Yeah. And so that's part of why. And then they kind of did the crossover. The yeah. Ameri- she never, but I guess she did the the American crossover. Yeah. I feel like also the Grand Anne of Green Gables was the American crossover. Um, but I just, the whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, ha ha, Anne of Green Gables and Corey Haim. So weird. And they're such a great couple. I mean, not a couple, but brother and sister team. Mm-hmm. I like that they, even though they like, uh, she really doesn't like him in the beginning, but yeah. then they get to like team up and go together. Um, there's a strange uh, voiceover that you get in this film. Oh my God. Can we talk about, yeah, like yeah, the very so, ending of this movie mm-hmm. where like so the she, last narration. What? You get, you get this voiceover in the beginning and, it, and it's, it's Jane grown up. Right. So she's talking, she's hearkening back, telling you the story of this is what Tarker, Tarker's Mills looked like in 1976. And this is what happened. Um, and then at the end, it come, so you get some of her narration through the film. And at the end, she says something about like, Good night, Marty. Yes. So at the very end of it is like, so she, you know, they, you know, it's like the vampire is dead and we all sort of sit against a wall breathing heavily and we exchange a quip or two. And then it goes back to sort of her, you know, after that, our relationship was this, this. And at the very end of it, she says, I love you, Marty. Good night. And we were like, I'm sorry, was that a story the whole time? Was this supposed to be like, let me tell you. Like, is Marty dead? Like, like, is this like a standby me thing where like Marty has now died and this is her recounting the one time where she, she really loved her brother? Like, good night to us? Is she saying good night to Marty? I don't know. To her kids? I don't know. I don't know who it's she's talking to. I don't know. A wraparound question mark voiceover. It was very, yeah. So I remember it ended and it was like, I love you, Marty. Good night. And you and I just turned to each other like, what? Like, what okay. is this? What is uh, this, this, uh, movie also has a scene that takes place on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Which is always notable, mm-hmm. um, and uses also the television sign-off. Yeah, which poltergeist is great. style, Polter- mm-hmm. poltergeist style. Yeah, and uh, my favorite, my favorite quote in this movie mm-hmm. uh, is when Corey Feldman, or sorry, Corey Feldman, Julia. <laughs> I would smack myself. Are in you the face. new? Come on. <laughs> yes, come on. I don't get them confused. Uh, Corey Haim uh, is talking on the phone to Gary Busey, telling him about uh, Jane's new shirt, which she's wearing, showing off her tits acting like nobody ever had tits before her, which is a very Stephen King line, I feel. Really? Okay. I like it. I like it. That's funny. So uh, we have our rating system. So for the gore factor for Silver Bullet, um, our rating system is one through five. One is not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. We give Silver Bullet a three and a half. Yeah. So enough blood to gross out the average viewer and then a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think also too, like the uh, the werewolf werewolf who climbs the trellis to like kill that sort of random woman that we never saw before or since mm-hmm. um it's pretty gross like that mm-hmm. goes on for quite a bit mm-hmm. so i feel like that's where it is bloodtastic so 
Um, and then movie ratings, we have one to five chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen better, seen worse. Four, not too shabby. Five, fantastic oracle. And we both gave it a three, seen worse, seen better. I stand by that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the werewolf effects aren't that great. That's actually something that I have Sorry, read, Carla Rombaldi. read a bit about because I read that it, it got like there, they had hired somebody else and then that guy that got fired and they hired somebody else and that guy got fired. So like the werewolf was not ready to go to like really, really, really late. Which seems to happen in a lot of werewolf films because like with the howling, it was the same thing. Like mm-hmm. Jodante had, they had like tons of problems with the werewolf. And so like, yeah. they're never happy with the end werewolf. Uh huh. Everybody's trying to be an American werewolf in London and I know. you just can't. I mean, I think that the bar is set in that movie. I mean, what this movie comes out, what, three or four years after that movie? Yeah. I mean, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. And that whole like, and also too, I noticed they don't do, they didn't really do a transformation sequence in this, like right. a super. But yeah, you know, I need more werewolf in my werewolf movie. I think. I think so. I don't bit. mind that it's not about him. Like usually, werewolf movies are like about the person who's turning, and uh-huh. this is not about that. Yeah, which is kind of cool. It's uh-huh. from somebody else's point of view. But I feel like you need more werewolf angst. I also just feel like if the werewolf uses tools, it's a little silly. So okay, I, I feel think, like I think I read that in the original script that the werewolf was supposed to talk. Oh wow! Oh, and then no. like didn't talk. Oh no! Have you had a talking werewolf? I guess in, no. I can't think of any. No. I was going to say Monster Squad, but I don't think they talk. he talks as a werewolf. I don't know if a werewolf can successfully talk and still retain his, his like, cords are like No, I mean, not like physically, but oh. like can and still no, retain the I'm thing that makes you. him frightening. Do you know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, fluffy, adorable. You know, like, I don't know. It just, I don't know. I feel like it would definitely tread into like, it's funny because like vampires talk all the time. Sure. But like werewolves, silent. Well, werewolves are kind of like the second class kind of monster in my opinion. Because like with mm-hmm. the vamp, like the vampire has the like the sexiness thing going on, the right. mesmerization. You can also change into different forms at will. And yeah. Like, that's really cool. Werewolf is just like wolf. That's it. Yeah. Like, are they immortal? Yes, I guess. Unless you kill them with a silver bullet. But yeah, they'll keep doing that forever. It's not like a fun immortality. It's just like running around as like a hairy beast you can't really control. Unless you really like ripping people apart, unless that like really does it for you. I'm sure the longer you were a werewolf, the more enjoyable it would become. I guess. Yeah. It's kind of like a mummy, I think. Like mummies shouldn't talk. That shouldn't be. No. That gets silly really quick. Um, Well, because mummies are, the problem with mummies is they're slow. mm -hmm. It's like you don't get like running mummies. Right. That's a good, good name for a band, though. Running Mummies. Running Mummies. <laughs> that's a free one, everyone. Oh, so it's hard to be scared yeah. with something that's so slow. Although, I guess zombies, aka ghouls, ghouls, do it very well in Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I feel like, yeah, there could have definitely been more werewolf feared. Um, I don't but know. The acting, more use the acting's good. Yeah. I don't have any acting notes for anybody. No, definitely. But I do my think... acting notes matter <laughs> now that the movie's been out for like Since 30 Since you years. guys are taking my notes, so mm-hmm. this is what I should Could say. Could you go back in time and fix this part? Because I don't really buy it. It would really help. Um, but no, I feel like if you're, I think if you have sort of a Stephen King werewolf movie, I just think you expect a bit more bang for your buck. But there are really charming things about this movie and the cast is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, perhaps a little... A little slacking on the werewolfness of it all. A little bit. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I can't, I mean, beyond where American Werewolf, it's hard. Like, that's like the most perfect werewolf movie I can think of. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing else that really, like, goes as as close to that. 
I guess it depends on what you're, yeah. I mean, I sort of, I'm a fan of sort of the old school, like Wolfman, like right. that kind of thing, but that's not sort of the modern idea of what it is. Like that's a guy. Right, Cause they the have mask. the whole like gypsy curse thing. And I enjoyed that. Like that's the kind of like, it's a curse and it's like related to gypsies and it's like a father to son thing. And like the, and like the, you can beat them to death with a silver cane, like that whole thing. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of, it Man, gets very Wolfbane thing. Mm-hmm. It gets very macabre and kind of mythological. And I kind of enjoyed that to it, but like the modern werewolf yeah it's, it's perhaps not as strong as like vampirism. i can see why vampires are more popular yeah definitely <laughs> sorry werewolf sorry guys you're just not up to snuff <laughs> um so, so thanks for listening everyone so you can find us on our social media networks mm-hmm. uh instagram facebook twitter and the like yeah uh, we love interaction and you guys have been really great about sending us really nice notes about how you're enjoying listening to us yeah. and what episodes you like and why and mm-hmm. we love to hear that all the feedback you can give is great and it makes us it's, it's we're happy to know that it's not just being sent out into the void <laughs> people are actually listening it makes us feel really good and really yeah. happy and um, if you have any suggestions for us movie wise or anything uh, let us know yeah and also um, if uh, you are a fan um, reviewing us a little short one line review on iTunes is super helpful for us and for other people to find us so uh, if you can do that that would be awesome Awesome. We'll send you emojis. Happy emojis. Yeah. All the thumbs ups. All the thumbs ups. Uh, so next week will be the last in our round of November Stephen King. Yeah. Uh, which will be 1976. Brian De Palma. Carrie. Wow. It's a doozy. It is a doozy. Yeah. It's the first Stephen King book and adaptation. It started film. this whole thing. It started the whole film. Yeah. The whole, the whole film. The whole film. The whole thing. It started the whole film. <laughs> I don't know what that means. In any case. We'll explain next week. <laughs> Good night, folks. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.